Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Now, today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is a dear friend of mine who I'm so excited to have on the show. And I'm also glad I got to see when I was in Tampa for Super Bowl weekend. Here with us today is Mr. Slade Heathcock. Slade is a former professional baseball outfielder who was a first-round draft pick by the New York Yankees out of Texas High School in the 2009 MLB draft. Slade also has used his position in the game to move the ball and create a better future for minor league baseball players everywhere, from cleaning up beaches in the Dominican Republic to building an orphanage for kids in Florida. Slade uses baseball as a conduit for the good he sees in the world. And Slade is also director of operations for the organization More Than Baseball, which we will chat about more in today's show. Slade, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited for us to chat today. I know we saw each other in Tampa. We've been talking about getting together for a show for quite some time. So I'm glad that you're here with us today. And one of the things that I've always really loved about you is your genuine heart and your desire to really make a difference, not only for the sport of baseball, but also just to make a tremendous impact on this world too. And that's part of what moving the ball is all about. It's not just about you, but it's about other people too. So let's start off our conversation. Let's talk about baseball for a minute, and then we'll get into some of the other things that you're you're doing. So you were drafted into the Yankees organization. Share with us, what was that? You're a young man at the time. Share with us, and you're not that old now, but you're younger (laughs) then. Uh, What was that feeling like for you to get drafted uh, by the Yankees? Um, At the time, I was, uh, for me, uh, my my dad had uh, my high school starting my junior year. I really started living out of my truck. So um, my family was my baseball team. And we were, I actually, the way it kind of played out um, and I was kind of a late bloomer. So I didn't really know until my junior summer going into my senior year that I was going to be potential to play. Uh, I was at, I was 50% scholarship to LSU for football and 50% to uh, baseball. Uh, so when we, we were in the state championship and the day that we arrived to the state, the day before our state championship game, I was drafted. And then we turned around and won the Texas state championship. So that's pretty hard to beat from the, uh, standpoint of a current player with the aspiration and the dreams of making it to the big leagues and to be drafted by number one, largest two, number two, largest sports franchise in sports history. So it was an incredible blessing and something that I was able to spend with my family at the time, which was my baseball team. Right. And what was it about baseball? And I know we've talked about football before since you played both sports, but what was it about baseball that really excited you about the game? I found somebody and convinced them that I could do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I loved football. I loved baseball. Um, I always kind of thought that if there was going to be a career at the next level, it was probably going to be on the baseball side. Um, I was really good at football more so of just 
not being really skittish of contact, uh, more of kind of the imminent Smith, uh, never get tackled for a loss because I wasn't going to outrun anybody really. But it just, uh, it was something I played my grandfather growing up. I was never close with my uh, father or my stepfather. I don't know my, my biological father, just never really had an interest. So I just never had a close relationship with my father and, my, and his dad, Dwayne Heathcott, who is not actually, they adopted my stepfather. So no blood relation, but my closest family member by, sure, by far. Uh, that was our game. We would go to the field and play catch. We would work. We would practice. So I always related baseball back to that, that relationship I had with my grandfather. Oh, great. My grandfather. Nice. Well, that, that's awesome. I'm sure he was so proud to see you uh, end up getting drafted. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he loved it. I mean, they, I wouldn't have made it without them. Uh, so he was one of the biggest pieces of why I was able to be in that position. So yeah, it was something that uh, we kind of looked at as accomplishment that we both did. Uh, I don't, you know, you know me well enough. I don't believe in singular uh, success. There's no such thing. Sure. And you know, a lot of the, the guests that I have on the show, they've talked about what it was like going from college to the NFL. For you, you're going from high school to the pros. Talk to us about what that journey was like and what was the biggest eye opener for you? Uh, I went from playing twice a week to playing seven days a week. Uh, 2009, I didn't sign until late 2010. There was periods of 50, 55 straight days without a day off. I didn't stay that healthy that long, <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was eye opening, right? You grow up playing something for fun. You know, I played for 14 years before I, before I was drafted. Uh, so something that, that obviously consumed a very large part of my life. And now, you know, I basically had, 22 years of playing baseball at, at that level. Uh, it just, it, it does change, right? It becomes a job in, in certain ways and, and showing up to the field and playing games is always the fun part, but there's a lot more that went into it. It didn't just become after school practices and a game on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or a Friday, Saturday game. It came a seven days a week at the field at noon, leaving at midnight every single day, spending 16 hours on a bus traveling and staying in motel sixes and eating Wendy's because that's the only thing you have. And it was an eye-opening experience to understand what minor league baseball actually is. And it's not something that even as a current player signing that I truly understood probably until four or five, I, I didn't appreciate what it takes to play an entire MLB season or MILB season. Now it's getting better. The new minor league deal came out today and it's five days a week. Uh, so they have two days off a week, which is incredible. That wasn't like it when I was playing. Uh, I made $6,600 my very first year of playing, which was a very eye-opening experience in Charleston uh, because that's obviously not enough. That's before taxes. So that's not enough to cover rent hardly. So you don't make money as a minor league baseball player. 80% uh, of players are paid $8,000 or less in 2019. Those are obviously getting a little bit better and that had to sacrifice you know, 1,000 people being released, 1,200 people being released. But we're moving forward. So it was just, uh, it was an eye-opening experience to go from it being purely a hobby to it being a career. There's definitely a difference. Sure. And outside of the pay difference, because some people, if you know baseball, you know about the farm system and how minor league baseball is different than the major leagues, but other sports like football, basketball, they don't have this elaborate system and minor league baseball is different than MLB. So can you talk a little bit about some of those other differences just for those that may not be familiar with uh, baseball? 
Well, you could probably say 99% of your hardcore baseball fans don't understand minor league baseball. That's not their fault. It's just they've never been privy to what it is. Um, you know, there's a raise this year, but you're still going to have an average salary around $10,000 for the entire year, which is definitely a step in the right direction. And when you sign uh, as a, I say, if you sign out of high school, team, the team that drafts you owns you with no questions for six years. If you get a $100 million offer from another team, you're not able to take it unless the team allows it. Not only that, every major league team owns the commercial authorization. Um, and it, there is nothing that comes back to minor league players. So MLB and MLB owners, and you're going to see it start this year because MLB and MILB went under the same roof. They're supposed to be separate, but they are definitely going under the same roof, which is going to be great for minor league baseball because you've never had a time period where MLB would promote minor league players. The reason why is MLB, MILB, MLBPA are three separate arms altogether. Uh, people don't really realize that. Minor league baseball is its own separate entity. And they used to butt heads with MLB because there had to be a contractual agreement. MLB never had permission to use a minor league logo on, on any post, anything of that nature, social media wise. You're now living in a world where MILB came under the same roof as MLB. And you're going to see MLB start promoting minor league players, which is great for minor league baseball. The thing that I'm trying to get ahead of and just on, whether it's $5, whether it's $10, if you're going to use minor league baseball players to make money, pay them. Yes. Pay them a percentage of rev share that you make. MLB the show. I have, a, I have a meeting later with MLB the show, the minor league side. Same thing. Sony, and it's great, right? It's great for minor league baseball. Really cool moment for minor league baseball players to have all their data put into a game, right? They used to do it. And they've always done areas of that. And then they would change details. Like I was a right-handed hitter in the game. Um Gary Sanchez's name was Gabby Sanchez. You now have accurate information and pulling data from players. And I want Sony to say, I want Sony to send a $5 check to everybody because that's the first step in, in getting a $1 check. I don't care the amount. We need somebody to step up and say, okay, we are using player data and we are making money of it. And they deserve a sh share because the MLBPA does get a share in every licensing deal, anybody that makes money. And minor league players don't have the ability to stand up and do that. Minor major league teams are paying what they're paying, and they are getting a lot better. Um, there's a lot of teams now that we work with. I work with all 30 teams in some way, shape, or form, and they're definitely starting to care. The, the, the programs are caring, so we're moving in the right direction. So I do commend owners and, and MLB on that, but we have a long ways to go. And if we're going to use minor leagues likeness on social media to drive the game, that's great. That's what we should be doing because right now MLB markets in 30, 30 cities. That's it. MILB is 120 cities. The reach and the ability behind marketing and things of that nature is way larger at the minor league level with when you talk about a collection. And more than baseball now has 3,000 current minor leaguers. So we're in a position to be able to start looking at those numbers because $15 here and $15 there to a minor leaguer is a big deal. And there's definitely been improvements, right? Like we got through several channels and pushing, we got clubhouse dues taken away. That was about 20% of what people, what players earned uh, throughout the course of the season. So that was a huge win. You're going to see a 38 to 72% increase in salaries this year, uh, which is great. But they did that by cutting a team, actually cutting two teams. So you had 30 teams release 70 players 
and that adds up, right? So that that's unfortunate um, because a lot of guys, especially that were 27, 28, 29 in the game last year and not being able to play, were really kind of pushed out of the game because of that because the teams are now having younger talent come in and there was no season. So everybody that was on the fence uh, in the past 18 months has really uh, gotten shafted in terms of their career. So what I want to do is I'm going to come back to your baseball career, but you mentioned more than baseball. So let's go there for a minute. Talk to us about how did more than baseball come to be? What's your involvement and what's the mission of the organization? Yeah, in 2018, America's Pastime Act uh, was a bill that was kind of lobbied and pushed through Congress. And one of those pages in the 90 page document was talking about minor league baseball. Uh, Fun fact, the job title of a minor league baseball player is a seasonal intern. Um, And in 2018, I stood up uh, and I was in anybody that looks will find out what team I was with, but I was with a team in spring training and I was getting warned. I stood up and said that this is BS basically. And I was like, this is wrong to do to players to call them a season. Not only are you only paying them $6,000 a year, now you're calling them a seasonal intern when they're the top 1% of their field. So they, they did that. I stood up. Long story short, fast forward to May 19th, I did it again. I was warned. I told them to go shove it. And I was on a plane flight uh, home on May 20th, and I was blacklisted from the game. I wanted to start an organization that helped minor leaguers. So in 2018, uh, we started playing around with the idea, uh, me and a guy named Jeremy Wolf, for, uh, former minor leaguer with the Mets organization. And we started throwing out the idea and he thought out, we were talking about names for organization. He was like, why don't we do more than baseball? And I said, perfect, because that's exactly what I want is I want people to realize that there's more about players and that they're just, they are human beings. They're not just, they have interest out of the field. They are more than just a baseball player. And that's something that we want to do. So I am co-founder and director of operations uh, at More Than Baseball. I run the day-to-day operations, the finances, budgeting. Uh, We have Simon Rosenblum Larson, uh, current minor leaguer in the Rays organization that came on about six, eight months after we started the push. And we, uh, it just got to the point where he he was doing such great work, extremely brilliant kid, Harvard grad, things of that nature. And he runs all of our player programming. So as I said, we have grown to 3,000 current minor leaguers, and he manages basically all players in regards to programs, things of that nature. He's program director, and then I come over the top to help build and facilitate, handle all corporate partnerships, fundraising events, things of that nature. Um, our first, we got our 501c3 at the end of 2019. So 2020 was our first year in, first full year in operation. And we raised just shy of $1.3 million and was able to financially help about 2,000 minor leaguers. I just sent out my 2,000 grant payment. And we have helped and worked with about 2,500 current minor leaguers in some way, shape, or form now, as well as about 70 major league players, uh, anywhere from MTB Kicks program, which gives uh, major leaguers the ability to wear custom cleats during a game to highlight a cause that they care about and raise money for more than baseball. Maybe it's the grocery reimbursement program. When COVID first hit, we offered the ability to, for minor leaguers to send in 
their grocery receipts and we would send them back $75. Financial planning, we had 900 minor leaguers start and complete our financial uh, guidance program to start teaching guys the basics around financial management and financial literacy, things of that nature. We really focus on on the field and performance. We focus on how do we attack performance off the field? How do we become a value to teams as a player development tool? And how do we partner with MLB and MLBPA, which we now have a partnership with both. So my, me and Jeremy and Simon's goal has been to bring the baseball community together and do it in a way that we create impact and a lasting legacy that shows that we can work together to create better good for our environment, whether it's creating scholarships, whether it's creating fundraisers for players, nonprofits that they care about more than baseball is is trying to bring as much attention to players as possible and what they're doing off the field. So we just launched our gaming division. And the idea is fans are wanting to get closer and closer to their fans. And that reason why is you have, you have esports uh, and gaming influencers that are every day connecting in person with their fans. And that industry is growing four times every year. And now you're having 150,000 people watching a guy play live. So the financial uh, opportunities, the branding opportunities, everything of that nature are there. And we're trying to capitalize and show that minor league baseball players do have a value. And there's a way that we can bring the baseball community together to create better good for the game and long lasting community relations and things of that nature. Love it. And I, I know you have some other programs like career services, education, housing. There's so many different yep. things that you guys are doing with more than baseball. And it's neat to see the progression and the journey of the organization and just knowing that uh, you're making a huge impact out there. So I definitely applaud everything that you're. Talk to us about what's next. What's the next big thing you're focusing on with the organization? One of my biggest focus right now is the, the gaming side. Um, we're also in the process of building out uh, what we're calling the ES, ESL uh, bridge program. So we're trying to half of our player base is Latin, majority of Dominican Republic, but there's also Puerto Rico and Venezuela and things of that nature. Uh, we're wanting to create a program. Most all 30 teams now are that have a high school program that is getting kids GEDs and high school diploma down in the Dominican. We want to create the ability to start transitioning kids for when they leave the Dominican, come to the United States to play, that they have the ability to attend college here. Uh, and we've had over 130 players express interest in an education program. And how can we how can we look at an alternative mode of how we look at education? Because the reality is most players, when they get out, they are 24, 25, 26. They're not going to go back and do a four-year degree. So looking at alternative uh, education modes, then there's the high school kids from the DR that is perfect, right? Let's get them in a associate's degree at a community college, get them starting enrolling. They have to be able to pass uh, English tests and things of that nature. So we're building a program out to do that. Uh, gaming is a big focus of ours because I believe that there is a huge market to help players put money in their pockets, sure. which is my main goal is to put money in players' pockets while giving back to the community and building a stronger connection. So I believe that there's a lot of people around the country that would pay five, 10, $15 to join a zoom call with their favorite minor league player to sure. 
join a Zoom call with a team, to play Call of Duty with a minor leaguer, to play MLB The Show, things of that nature where we can start looking at not just our everyday fan, but also our youth. That's a big focus of ours is I don't want to just wait until minor leaguers are minor leaguers. I want to start hitting the youth sector so that when they get to us, they already understand what this process is. The earlier we can start teaching what is going on in the game of baseball, the better off we're going to be from a player standpoint. Absolutely. And just share people, where can they learn more about more than baseball? Yeah, they can. um, Our social media tags are MTB, more than baseball. So MTB underscore org and more than baseball dot org. Good. And we'll we'll be sure to put those in the show notes, too. So you guys can check out all the wonderful things that uh, Slade and his team at more than baseball are doing to really make an impact for the game and beyond. So so let's go back and talk about, um, I just had a couple of questions that I wanted to to chat about regarding your time playing baseball. So you you did play in the major leagues in 2015. You uh, got your first start May 22nd, hit your first home run on May 25th, which just happens to be my son's birthday, um, against the Kansas City Royals. Talk to us about what was that like for you uh, hitting that first home run? I mean, it was on. I mean, it was also on uh, Memorial Day. Yes, which is huge for me. I mean, you saw my tattoo on my arm. I'm a very big supporter—not a supporter of war, but a supporter of standing up and and supporting our armed force members. Uh, so, for any day for that to happen, that's the perfect day. I was wearing, uh, was able to have a flag on my sleeve, which is super cool, um, and a camo jersey and things of that nature, but. I mean, any, I mean, for your first home run to even be in the big leagues and to do it at Yankee Stadium, like it's super surreal. Um, and it couldn't have gone better. My son was there. Um, it, it was just a uh, really cool moment uh, to be able to experience and something I'm very thankful that I got to experience. Sure. And uh, one other question I want to ask you just about how baseball has helped you to be successful in life. You know, we all face obstacles, whether we're playing on a baseball field, we're on a football field, or we're just trying to play the game of life. So can you just share with us a time where you've had to overcome an obstacle and what you've done to overcome it? I played a baseball game professionally for 10 years that if you're successful three out of 10 times, you're a Hall of Famer to plan. That's the reality. We can hope and we can plan and we can do everything we possibly can and control what we can control. But at the end of the day, there's things in life that we just can never control. We could never control and know that we were going to have a pandemic hit us that was a disease that was going to shut down the country. There's things that we can't prepare for. And what sports, what baseball has taught me, you have to stand back up and you have to keep walking. Earlier, I said, I don't believe in singular success. And that's the reason I have a saying, If you're at your summit and you're alone, you're in a mirage in the middle of the desert. Nobody has success alone. And baseball teaches you to rely on each other, to be carried by others, to push others, to carry others. Bottom line is you got to get the job done and you got to keep stepping because the worst thing we can do, the only way you can lose is to stop. Yes, I agree with that. Amen. Thanks for for that. So you mentioned your son, Kyson, was there uh, when you hit your first home run. As we have, kids in life, our priorities tend to change. And just share with us a little bit, how have your priorities changed since you've had your little guy? I signed in 2009 as Slade, the baseball player named Slade. Every surgery I had made me take a step back and realize that that this could end at any day. I lived in a world up until 2014 that revolved around that baseball player named Slade. And that's all that mattered 
was myself. I lived in a world that was about I, 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 um, combination of surgeries and, and realizing and truly facing difficulties and things of that nature in my past that I had covered up, uh, whether it was my dad's drug addiction or whether it was the physical fighting or the uh, growing up with parents that were fist fighting and yelling and throwing every single day. I never really addressed them. I covered them up and masked them. Um, and a combination of my son coming and me realizing there's never an excuse in the world, but there is an explanation. And it was the first time in my life when I found out I was going to have my son and then after, and then now I, I got a divorce of my wife uh, at the current time and probably the best move I've ever made. So those two things allowed me to take a step back and realize that I'm responsible for somebody else. And this world's not about me. Uh, it's also 2014 was the first year that I started working in the nonprofit space with I Am More, uh, which is still going. And it's a foundation based around being more than your current circumstances, whether that's a disability, whether that is, and we say disabilities are special opportunities because that's what they are. They're an opportunity to move past it because bottom of the line is, is yes, we're all going to run into times in our life that things just downright suck and there's no way to put it otherwise. But we can't, we can't, it doesn't do any good to highlight the fact that it sucks. We have to move forward and, and realize that we can be more and we're going to make the most of each situation. So having my son uh, just finally opened my eyes to a world that wasn't about me. Wow. I love that. Thank you for, for sharing. That's very powerful. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two minute drill. going to ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. What did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Fighter pilot. Nice. I wanted to be that when I was like eight. I still do. So close. <laughs> My, that ship has sailed for me, unfortunately. But yeah, that'd be super cool. Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? I hope it's Dwayne Johnson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Matt Damon. Okay. That would be, yeah, I could see that. That'd be a good character or a good person to play you. Or Shia LaBeouf, just because we have similarities. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. All right. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Dominican Republic. Nice. How about what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Coffee. Okay. Uh, how about what is a pet peeve of yours? Excuses. Yes. Yes. All right. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I just finished up this morning with Once We Were Brothers. Uh, not really anything on. It was basically, it's a story about Nazi Germany and World War II and the Holocaust and things of that nature. So not really uh, any self-help or anything in nature, but a really, really good book. I just finished it the morning. I was actually listening to it on Audible, but really good book. It was about 19, 20 hours worth of uh, listening, but highly recommend it. Nice. And it's not just self-help books or personal development that we grow from too. So reading books like you just mentioned is still a great way to, to continue to learn and grow and be enriched as well. And, and it's a way to, to open our eyes to the reality of how good our lives are. Yes, That's very important. true. Yes, it is. All right, the last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Nelson Mandela. Okay. Gandhi. Okay. Dwayne Johnson. Thank you. There you go. He's my favorite. <laughs> How do you not love the guy? That, that is the guy true. has absolutely destroyed and crushed everything he's ever set his mind to. 
Yeah. And he's had, he has a great story because he, he yeah. didn't start out that way. Yeah, he's definitely an inspiration. He's definitely done a lot of great things, put in a lot of hard work, and it, it's nice to see all of his success as well. All right. So as we wrap up today's show, tell our listeners what's the best way to follow you and uh, so they can see what you're up to on your journey. And if you have any last thoughts for our listeners. My Instagram is slade.heathcott. That's the best way uh, to look up, DM me, reach out. I normally always take uh, and find people uh, and respond. And I mean, that's just what it's about. And then my Twitter is heathcott underscore slade. So there's two of the best ways. Email. I take emails all the time. Slade at morethanbaseball.org. I've got seven emails. So you just tell me which one. So anything of that nature, Instagram, social media, follow more than baseball. I'm pretty uh, involved in a lot of things. Okay, perfect. And we'll be sure to uh, add those to the show notes as well so people can uh, stay connected with you as well. Well, Slade, thank you so much for being on our show today. I'm so glad that we were able to record this episode. Yeah, thank you again for being here. Thank you. And thanks again to everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.